Well, good morning. Welcome to Life Church. I'm Aaron Cole, the senior pastor. It's great to see you. Can we welcome all of our campuses, our online campus, Appleton campus, Germantown campus. Man, I hope you're enjoying fall today. Yes? No? I love, fall is my favorite time of the year. It's my favorite time of the year. And, and part of it is because you can, you can wear like thicker clothes, you can eat more. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, they say like we're into November now. So November, there's a real psychological condition called daylight deprivation, which means your body is not getting as much daylight, sunlight as it's used to. Thus, you can kind of get into this kind of a lull type of a deal. And so they say, you know, you shouldn't change a job in November. You shouldn't make any radical changes in November. And so here's what I like to use. I like to use that kind of as a, I don't feel like doing something, so I'm dealing with daylight deprivation. <laughs> right? Honey, I would go do that, but I'm just a little daylight deprivation problem right now. Can I do that tomorrow? I just want to get in my comfies and watch football for the next three days. Daylight deprivation. You know, like in the words of Nacho Libre, just put some stretchy pants on just for fun, right? Yeah, you too. I, I, I love that. I, I just eat because it's daylight deprivation and I need a little more, right? Kind of get into those hibernating years. Um, I serve on a board and, uh, uh, and, uh, for, for this one particular organization. And so uh, there's a, a doctor, he's a surgeon that's on this board. And, and typically when we have these board meetings, we'll get together and I try not to eat around him. Because he's very, you know, I mean, he's all the time talking about medical stuff. You shouldn't do this. You should do that. And he's a great guy, brilliant guy. And, uh, but he's one of those kind of guys that looks like he could go run a marathon. And I'm one of those guys that I can't. And so anyhow, he's all the time talking about, you know, and, and we, I was stuck next to him at a meal. And, uh, and, uh, and, he, and I like him, but just not during mealtime. And... Uh, <laughs> And so, because I'm getting ready to just to really hoss out on some eggs benedict and a side of waffles. <laughs> Plural, amen. Can I get a witness in the house? Amen. Folks, I haven't lost weight. I'm just wearing Spanx. I'm just telling you right now, all right? <laughs> so anyhow, he starts talking to me about how people that are a little bit, we were, he gets on this BMI thing, and I'm going like, body mass index? If you're overweight, you know what BMI is. If you don't, you have no clue what I'm talking about. And so these skinny people, we don't like you. But anyhow, so he's on this BMI kick, and he makes a statement. It was the greatest thing he said. I ordered another set of waffles because he said, he said people that are a little higher on BMI, he said, actually live longer. I said, well, re rewind the tape, doc. What did you just say? He goes, well, like if you are sick and you lose body weight, people that are right where they are supposed to be on a BMI scale and they go into the hospital and like someone goes in when has some type of a digest digestive situation or whatever an issue and they lose 20 pounds, they don't have anything to lose. It starts eating away at, 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 at you know, at lean muscle, which I have a lot of it. It's just covered by heavy fat, you know? <laughs> and he said, but someone that's a little higher on the BMI, like you, Aaron, um, you'll be fine. I said to myself, self, this is why I have a body like this, because I just don't want to die in the hospital. So anyhow, hope you're having a good week. Hope you're having a good day. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm chapter 103. Psalm chapter 103. Uh, in my personal reading, and con I'm reading, going, just reading the book of Psalms this month. This is just kind of one of my personal devotional times. And, and out of that, I'm just amazed that how the desperation of the psalmist cries out to God 
and it makes me feel good because misery likes company because we've all been there before. And the power of God that's extolled in the book of Psalms, his righteousness, his judgment, but also this grace and mercy that the psalmist says is new every single morning. And it's just this beautiful picture of strength and compassion of the Father and of our desperate need for him. And I'm just going to read four verses of scripture, but one of the things that I came across is this passage that talks about the benefits of God. And I think sometimes we go so fast through life and so busy through life that we don't ever just sit down and just think about what are we thankful for? What are we blessed with? What are what I would call the benefits or a word that we use in our language and vernacular more than benefits is perks. What are the perks of serving Jesus? I didn't write this book. I'm just telling you the psalmist says that there are benefits. So if you're not a Christ follower today, I'm just going to tell you, you can hear some of the benefits of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ, to be someone who serves Jehovah God of the Old Testament and the New Testament. But when you think about perks and benefits in our society, you know, we, 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 uh, th this is everywhere. You go to Speedway and get your gas, and there's, there's these points, right? There's these perks. Uh, if, you, if you shop at particular stores, there's these points that they want. They're, they're trying to, you go to Starbucks, and, and, and they're, they're, you get so many cups of coffee, and there's a free cup of coffee, and a free thing for your birthday, and all of that. I mean, uh, it's, you know, and, and if you, some, and some of these really work, some of these don't, some of them are better than others. Well, one of the things for me is, is I, uh, I, I fly a pretty fair amount uh, be just because of some of what I do uh, ministerially and, and, and as a pastor, and not just here, but, but boards and things that I serve on and things that I'm a part of my responsibilities, but then also just missions. And uh, so when I moved to Milwaukee 14 years ago, uh, I, uh, uh, I had moved from Oklahoma, and in Oklahoma, American Airlines was kind of the big thing there, and so I, that's where I had most of That's where I would travel out of, typically, and out of Tulsa, and then moved here, and that wasn't the thing. And so basically, it was Northwest was the big, and then there was Midwest Airlines. Anybody remember Midwest Airlines? Love me some Midwest Airlines. Love Midwest Airlines. I flew Midwest Airlines all the time, and it was because of two things. They had the, the business class all the way through the plane, and they had the cookies. You remember the cookies? Yeah. Oh, sweet Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> and, uh, and the other thing I loved about Midwest Airlines, the pilots were out in Milwaukee. So when everybody else in Atlanta was not flying to Milwaukee because there was snow on the ground, hello, which where we live, uh, these pilots would get home because they wanted to get home. If a pilot wants to get somewhere, it's going to get somewhere. That's just kind of what I figured out. And so anyhow, so I would do that. But when that all kind of fell apart and then the cookies left, I was out. It didn't matter. If the cookies are gone, I'm gone. And so Delta was bought, bought Northwest out. And so I began traveling predominantly with Delta. I'm going somewhere with this. So Delta, I do almost all my travel because I'm, I'm, I'm a SkyMile member. And so you get these SkyMiles. And so I do enough that I'm, I'm at their top tier. And so I'm a diamond with Delta, and because of the amount of sky miles and so forth and so on, and international travel really, really racks it up. So what that means is, is that there's perks, like I don't pay for, for check bags. Uh, I don't pay for, matter of fact, I had seven staff members with me on a trip recently, and we had to bring luggage with us, and they should have been, every bag should have been paid for, and they just comped everybody because they were with, they were attached to my ticket. Uh, the, um, you know, if you see me and we're on a plane together and I'm in first class, it's because I got upgraded. I bumped up. I get the che cheapest ticket I can get. 
and but I want to sit up there. And so it just I get there, and there's just these perks. Well, I, I am flying a week ago, and I'm coming back from a meeting on the East Coast, a missions meeting, and I'm not paying any attention. I'm like, man, I'm in my I'm in some sweatpants and running shoes. Not that I run, but I wear. That's what they're called. And, and I have my Life Church Youth T-shirt on. I got my headphones on. I got my cap on. I am just maxing, relaxing, listening to my music. And I am, I'm, I'm changing planes in Atlanta. I've got about two hours. Quite frankly, I'm trying to get to Concourse A, where there's the piece of cake rest little place. Listen to me, people. If you don't hear anything else I say, especially at Appleton, Jeff, listen to me at Appleton. You are... At an Atlanta airport, go to Concourse A, and there's a place called Piece of Cake. Whoa. The strawberry cake is the bomb.com. I kid you not. It is off the chain. It's eight bucks, but the best eight bucks you'll ever spend. I was in line one day, and I bought three people a piece of cake because they couldn't decide whether they wanted it. I'm saying, yeah, this will set you free. It's amazing. Anyhow, so that's what my brain is on. I'm not thinking about anything, so I'm just walking off. I've got my headphones, got my backpack on I'm going through, and I go by, and right there, as soon as I get off the plane onto the jetway, there is a sign, with a lady with a sign that has my name on it. And I'm just walking, and I walk about halfway up the jetway and was thinking, that's my name. Why is she on a sign my name? I don't have a short deal. I need to get that piece of cake. Why is my name on that sign? And so I turn around, take my headphones off, and I said, excuse me, ma'am, that's me. Mr. Cole, we're so delighted that you have status with us, and we appreciate your loyalty. And as a Sky Miles Reward member, as a diamond with us, we want to say thank you. They've never done that before. Do you understand what I'm saying? I don't hit flight sometimes because it's their fault and they don't do that, right? So anyhow, I, I'm saying, I said, okay, great. She goes, and you just crossed the million-mile threshold with us. And so we just wanted to say thank you. And if you'd like, I'd like to take you out. And we have a fleet of Porsche, Porsche cars. So there's Panameras. Now they've upgraded to these Cayennes. And we want to take you to your next gate into the sky, to the Delta Lounge. Holla! <laughs> I'm all about this. I'm thinking, man, I can hit this. Porsche, cruise around, what's up? And then get my piece of cake. So there's a picture here. She snapped a picture of me with my bad cell phone. Look at those lime green calipers on those brakes. Anyhow, so I'm just like doing that. I get in there and I'm all smiling. And I'm just like, this is kind of surreal because I've seen these, right? There's six of them. You guys can take that picture down. There's six of these at the airport, but they don't ever pick me up. I've missed international flights. I've done, I've been, oh, crazy stuff, I could just tell you. And so I'm in there, and I said, you know, is this, your, is this your job? She said, yes, sir. I worked the front desk for 12 years. I said, I bet you're glad to be doing this because I've been to the front desk. And so she said, yes, sir. And I said, what? Give me the skinny on this. And she was talking to me about it. And I, she said, we do a lot of celebrities. Well, who's been here recently? Well, Jack Nicholson, uh, Katie Holmes, uh, Tim Tebow, Queen Latifah. I said, in this seat. And she, went, she said, yes, sir. And I was like, wow. And, and she said, we do this. And she said, you, we, we can do this for you. And I was just like, don't tell me this lady. How, and then I'm like, how much does this cost? She says, $350 for us to take you from here to the next gate. I said, well, that ain't going to be happening. But, you know. <laughs> My point is, is it was like, it's a benefit. It was a perk. It was there. And I could have walked right on and never saw it, but it was standing there. And I wonder sometimes how many times the word of God is in our hands, and there are all these benefits and all these perks and all these blessings, and we're completely unaware of them, and they just sit there. God wants to do some things that are just kind of fun and just kind of exceedingly and abundantly above all we could think or ask. I was planning on walking from one concourse to the other. Instead, I get driven because I recognized it. 
So I just want to take a minute, and I just think during this time of the year, I become very self-reflective, which is a great discipline I think we should all do, as we come into this Thanksgiving season, and this season as this year comes to the close, to stop for a minute and reflect on the year previous. To stop for a minute and take inventory of where we are, to find reality. To stop for a minute and just thank God for all of the blessings. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul. When was the last time you did that? When was the last time that you just said, God, I bless your name? Out loud, verbally, you articulated, I bless with all that is within me, God. I bless your name. I sing your praises. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Why does he tell us to forget not? Because we forget. We get so busy doing life and so busy going from here to there and so busy doing all this stuff that we just don't take time to say, what are the benefits? What are the perks? What are the blessings that comes to being a follower of Jesus Christ? So glad you asked what it is. Verse 3, who forgives all of your iniquities, all of our sins? Who heals all of your diseases? Not some, not on Tuesdays and Thursdays, but he's out of the office the rest of the week. All of your diseases. Verse 4, who redeems your life from destruction? He flips the script. What the enemy tries to use to harm you and to destroy you, God turns around and he flips it and turns it around for your good. And who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Let's look at these. There's just four benefits, there's four perks. He says, if you're a follower of God, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have the Bible in your hand and you're walking, this is what it means. These are the blessings. First of all, forget not your forgiveness. Do you remember the time that you gave your life to Christ? Do you remember the day that the burdens of your soul were rolled away? Do you remember the joy unspeakable and full of glory that filled your heart? Do you remember the peace of God that passes all understanding? Verse 3 says, he forgives all of our iniquities. He forgives all of our sin. It's not his sin. It's not his mistakes. It's not his junk. It's not his baggage. It's not his history. It's yours. And simply by, according to 1 John, when we confess our sins, he is faithful, which means every single time, and he is just, which means he has the ability to do this, to cleanse us from all of our sins and all of our unrighteousness. When we just say, Jesus, forgive me. God, I messed up once again. God, I crossed the line once again. God, I just need your forgiveness once again. And the Bible says that God takes our sin in that moment and he casts it as far as the east is from the west and he remembers it no more. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. Thank you, God, that you forgive me of my sin. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 7 says, in him, through Jesus, we have redemption through his blood, through the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace. Man, the grace of God is so amazing. I love the parable that Jesus gives in Luke's gospel chapter 15. He talks about three items that are lost, and he ends it with this lost son. 
It's called the prodigal son. A parable is a story with meaning, and Jesus would do this very often. This is always what's funny to me when people say, well, that church just tells a lot of stories. That's what Jesus did. Jesus tells a story with meaning, this parable, and he says, there's a father who has two sons. One son stays in the house, in the father's house, and obeys the father, is obedient to the father. But the other son wants to leave the house. Now, in this parable, we know that the father in the parable is God the father. And we know that the two sons are his children. That would be you and I. And some of us stay in the house, and we work in the house, and we serve in the house, and, and we're obedient unto the father. But some of us want to leave the house. We want to leave the blessings. We want to leave all that God has. And we want to kind of go sow our wild oats. And we want to just not have anything to do with the father for a while. The Bible says that this younger son asks the father for his inheritance and the father gives it to him. Full well knowing what's going to happen. But we're not rock'em sock'em robots. God doesn't control us by some cosmic heavenly joystick. He allows us to have free moral choice and will. Why? Because he wants us to love him because we choose to love him, not because we're made to love him. So the sun goes off and we read the passage and Jesus says that he squanders his wealth on wild living. This lascivious lifestyle, the prostitutes, his brother will go on to say, all this party and all this. And when he comes to the end of his money, his friends are all gone and he's now having to work and he's now having to slave away and he finds himself in the pig pen actually eating with the pigs that he's actually called and he's actually paid to take care of. And the Bible says, I love this phrase, and he comes to the end of himself. Because there's a point where every prodigal has to come to the end of themselves. Because again, we're not rock'em sock'em robots. God doesn't make us do anything. Matter of fact, I love how Paul says in the book of Romans, it's his love and his kindness that leads us to repentance, not his judgment. And he comes to the end of himself, and he says, even the servants in my father's house have it better than I do. I'm not worthy to be called his son. I'll go back, and I'll ask for forgiveness, not to be restored to sonship, but just simply to have a job so I don't have to live like this. Verse 20, the Bible picks it up and says, and he arose, the son, and came to his father. But when he, the son, was still a great way off, his father saw him, and he had compassion, and he ran, and he fell on his neck, and he kissed him. In the first century, men, especially of prominence, didn't run in public. This father's looking, knowing that he can't go to his boy, but he looks for him. And with compassion, when he sees him and his stench and in the muck and the mire and the filth of his lifestyle, he runs to him. It's this picture of how God comes to us. And the son then says to him, he's got this whole script, Father, I've sinned against heaven and your side, and I'm no longer to be worthy to be called your son. The son's come to the end of himself. Verse 22, but the father said to his servants, bring out the best robe and put it on him. And put a ring on his hand, which was a signet uh, 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 that he was a son of the house. And put sandals on his feet and bring the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and be merry. For this, my son, was dead, is alive again. He was lost and is now found. That's how God views us. That's how God views you. That's how God views me. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not all of his benefits. Forget not the fact that he forgives me of my sin. 
Thank God for that. Verse 3, he says, the second thing, forget not your healing. He's a God that heals our disease. He's a God that heals our sickness. I know all physical healing is temporary because this body, this mortality will take on immortality upon uh, in, in eternity when this world is over. But God still heals us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24 says, He himself, speaking of Jesus, bore our sins on his body on the tree, the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness, for by his wounds you have been healed. He's quoting Isaiah, Isaiah 53, 5. But he, Jesus, was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. When was the last time that before you called the doctor and before you took the medicine that, that you were dealing with something and you just stopped and said, God, your word says in Isaiah 53, 5, and your word says in 1 Peter 2, 24, and your word says in James that if there is sickness in my body, that by your stripes, by what you did on Calvary's cross, I am healed. And I ask you to heal my body. I'm not against medicine. If you travel with me internationally, they call me the pharmacist. I have more pharmaceutical drugs to deal with diarrhea, to deal with nausea, because I don't want to get sick. Oh, Lord, help us all. I, I'm, so I'm not against that. I go see the doctor regularly. If you're a doctor, a physician, a nurse practitioner, a nurse, an RN, LPN, whatever N you are, I, I'm all for you, right? But I'm saying sometimes we're so quick to jump to these things that we, that we forget the benefit and the perk that he is the great physician, that he is the great healer. Sometimes people ask me, well, pastor, why do people not get healed in a physical sense in America sometimes the way they do like in an emerging third world nation? I'll tell you, it's very simple because they don't have other options. They're crying out to God and their faith is extended because they need God to show up because there is no doctor, there is no drug, there is no physician around. And I believe that God works through medical science. I believe God through, works through, through doctors and through nurses, and he works through hospitals. And, and, and I, I love that. I, I got my master's degree at Oral Roberts University, and as you walk, drive onto the campus, there's these two hands, these praying hands. And, and, and the ideology behind that is the one hand was the hand of the, of the pastor, and it was, it was the one that stood in and that prayed the prayer of faith. And the other hand is the hand of the physician. So that God works through the physician and he works through the prayer of men and women. Harvard has come out with studies and that said it's dramatically up into the 70th percentile of people that go into a hospital or, or, or they're sick and they're, they're infirmed. Those that have faith, their recovery record and their recovery time is exponentially faster and quicker and better than those without faith. Why? Because God is the one that heals us, whether he works through the doctor and works through the medicine prescribed to you or whether he miraculously shows up in your life and does it. I'm just asking, when was the last time you thanked him for the one who heals you? Maybe everything's great. Thank you, God, that I'm not sick today. Thank you, God, that I have legs to walk, or I've got a mind to think. I've got a body that's strong to be able to do what you've called me to do. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that's within me. The next thing he says is forget not your redemption. Verse 4 says that he's the one who redeems our life from destruction. How is that different than forgiving you of your sins? Similar but different. He redeems, which means he flips the scripts. He takes the mistakes. He takes the problems. He takes the issues. He takes the things that either you've done that were just stupid, right? 
No, you've never done anything stupid. Yes, you have. You're lying. You're in church. <laughs> but sometimes things happen in life that I didn't ask for. Sometimes I'm doing the right thing and, and things happen. Life happens. People come against me. I'm wrongfully accused. Regardless of the situation, you find yourself kind of in this pit. You kind of find yourself in this destructive place. You find yourself in this depression. You find yourself in this recession. You find yourself in this place where there's really nowhere out. So how do you get out? The Bible says that he's the one that redeems. He takes the negative. He takes the bad. He takes the script that's put us to that place, and he flips it, and he redeems us from what? From the pit. The psalmist will go on to say in Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2, I waited patiently for the Lord, and he turned to me, and he heard my cry, and he lifted me out of the slimy pit, and out of the rock and the, uh, excuse me, out of the mud and the mire, and he set my feet on a rock, and he gave me a firm place to stand. Whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ today, and you find yourself in a pit, and we've all been there, you find yourself battling with depression. Maybe it's an emotional pit. Maybe it's a, it's, it's, it's a, it's a financial pit. Maybe it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a relational pit. I don't know what it is, but you find yourself there, and you cry out to God, and you wonder. Do what the psalmist says. Wait patiently, because God will hear your cry. God will hear your cry. Bless the Lord, all oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name, because he restores me. He redeems me from the pits of life. He redeems me from the destructions of life. I love what David said. Don't gloat over me, my enemy, for though I have fallen, yet I will arise. Though a righteous man falls, he gets back up. That's the beauty of the cross. That's the power that raised Christ from the dead. The story's not over. If you go all the way to the end, we win. So today you may go, man, it's really tough. And you may be having one of those Alexander, terrible, every day, horrible, bad day kind of days. Bless the Lord because he will be the one that will redeem you from the pit that you're in. Maybe you're here today and you're not a follower of Christ. I'm telling you, the benefit of getting out of where you are to where you need to be and where you want to be is him. He's the one that redeems. He's the one that flips the script. He's the one that takes what the enemy tries to use or destroy you and use it for your good. And the last is forget not your crowns. I like this. We're not talking about dental crowns here, all right? Forget not your crowns. We don't live in a monarchy, so sometimes the verbiage of the Bible, when it speaks of kingdoms and kings and crowns, we just kind of dismiss it. He crowns our life, the Bible says, with love and compassion. Think about that. What does that mean? It means that God delights and giving you the desires of your heart. It means that God wants to bless you more than what you have the ability to receive. You know, I'm a dad with two kids, and, and my wife and I, Tammy and I, we love to bless our daughters. But that blessing sometimes is something that they can't handle. It's not that I don't have the ability or have the want to, or the capacity to do it, it's simply, can they handle it? Is that too much? Can they handle that? Like, Ava's on the front row, and I want to get Ava a new Corvette for turning 16. And Tammy said no, because she can't handle it. <laughs> Ava, sorry, it's mom's fault. 
I'm teasing. I'm the one that's going to get her the Chevette. Amen? Not Corvette. Different kind of vet. Anyhow, remember Chevette's? Take me back. I'm sorry. I'm adult ADD. It's like, there's a bird. Okay. So my point is, is it's not that we don't, it's that can, and that's the way God is. The Bible says he wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could think or ask. I didn't write the book. Don't say, well, he's all into prosperity. No, it's called the Bible. I didn't write it. Yes, I do believe that there is a, is, a, is a theology of suffering and pain that happens in this world. But if you're going to have a theology of suffering and pain, you have to have a, you have to have a theology of prosperity and conversely so. Theologically speaking and logically speaking. But we've been blessed. And God crowns our lives with this love. What do you mean, Aaron? I mean like today, probably no one walked to church unless you chose to do so because you had a vehicle. And if you didn't, God provided somebody to come and pick you up. Nobody today is naked. My girls think that's funny how I say that because I'm from the South. <laughs> naked. Nobody, you're clothes. And thank God. <laughs> Take that however you want to. <laughs> you have food. Your cupboards aren't bare and empty. God's crowned your life. And sometimes in our first world princess problem reality, we don't stop and think of that. I said earlier, I serve on a board, and, and one of the boards that I serve on is Convoy of Hope. And Convoy of Hope is a humanitarian aid organization that is built around presenting not just meeting people's physical needs, but also meeting their spiritual needs with the love of Jesus Christ through compassion. Convoy of Hope is a compassion ministry of choice that we partner with because of their high level of ethical behavior and, and, and standards uh, that have been recognized even in secular uh, uh, settings. And um, next week, we'll have an opportunity to do our One Day to Feed the World offering where we ask you to take one day's wage and give it to the poor of the world. It's one of my favorite services that we do all year. Matter of fact, one of my favorite, my best of friends is going to be with me here that weekend. He's bringing his whole family, and uh, he's coming, and we're going to get to um, uh, just celebrate what God's doing and what God's done through you, Life Church, because you're a church of radical generosity. And I know you won't miss next weekend. Are you going to be ready and all of that? But Convoy of Hope ministers to the poor and the hurting. And I was in a meeting this week, and I uh, a, a board meeting for Convoy, and I was reminded of that, knowing what I was going to be preaching on. And it's just kind of a, I want to show you just a very quick clip. It's about a minute, minute, 15 seconds of a life who's been crowned with the compassion and the love of God. Just check this out. I go to bed. I have no food in my stomach. If I don't have enough food, I can't understand what my teacher is saying to me. Thank you, because the food that they give to us will not be wasted. I'm turning 16 this November. I'm in college. By God's grace, um, we have our food now. I'm so grateful and I will be forever grateful that Convoy of Hope is um, as a sponsor of our church for me to continue my study and have my meal. 
studying hard now um, for my future and someday I promise to myself I'm going to help them help, help my community here our community and our church that and I will I will someday become the sponsor of our church <laughs> like you guys so thankful <laughs> That's what it looks like to have your life crowned with the compassion and love of God. So we were in the middle of a pretty uh, heavy agenda of a board meeting, and they made an interruption and uh, reminded us of Kate's story. And you've seen Kate's story before. And Kate is enrolled in the university. Uh, she's in the U.S. Uh, she's studying for uh, restaurant hospitality and, and, and what she's doing. And the whole goal and the aim is to go and to serve her community, uh, partnering with Convoy of Hope to do that. So uh, here's a real quick picture of me getting my picture taken with Kate in the board meeting, just getting to see how great. This is a young woman, a young girl, who because of the compassion and the radical generosity of a church like yours, who gives to one day to feed the world, her life was crowned with the love and the compassion of God. And today, she's not some forgotten about child running the streets of, of Manila. She is a university student with a plan and a hope and a purpose. She will never, ever read that passage and not think, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that's within me. Bless your holy name. It's a benefit. It's a perk of serving the Lord.